0: Hey, welcome into this week's episode of Cincinnati Podcasts. We had a little bit of a break after a crazy whirlwind season with the Bearcats, but we're here to bring you the recap of the 2021 Bearcat football season, discuss some basketball stuff that's going on, and then also look into the future, coaching hires, recruiting cycle, all of that going on. We're going to bring it to you this week. I'm your host, T Money. That's my other host out there, Gigsy in the Carolinas. What's going on, What's Greg? Up? What's up? Oh man, what a crazy, crazy season. For those who don't know, Greg and I went to the playoff game. It was just epic. What a wild time. It was it was a lot of fun. That stadium.
1: I, I remember we walked in the door and our group just stopped, and it was just mind-blowing how amazing Jerry World was. Yeah. And
0: Fun! It
1: amazing weekend.
0: Yeah, it was so it was fun. Dallas was great. The Alabama fans were pretty nice. I'm, you know, give them credit. <laughs> Our fans were out screaming, being loud. I mean, it was an event of a lifetime. So much fun. So we got a lot to get to. But before we dive in, this podcast is sponsored by Chili Labs. Chili Labs is owned and operated by a UC alum and is the most affordable lab-tested CBD on the market. You can find out more at chililabs.com and use the promo code CATS for 10% off. So let's dive in here. Sure. Our, our first note to talk about, Well, let, we can just give a little recap of the Cincinnati-Alabama game. You know, the final score, 6-27, to Alabama. You know, we kept the Heisman Trophy winner, Young, to 181 yards, and he had a pick. So, you know, our defense played pretty well, but, man, we just couldn't stop the run. Your thoughts on the game initially there, Greg? I I think, like you just said, I I think
1: we really, really committed to saying we're going to completely stop Bryce Young, as we've seen the Cats do in – previous games, like we're not going to let this team pass on us. And like Tulsa did to us, Brian Robinson just ran all over our defense. Yeah. This is a situation where I would kind of, or I I really miss Marcus Freeman because I think more so than Mike Tressel, he was able to make those adjustments and changes on the fly where it might not be a halftime adjustment. It's a, okay, it's, this is, we're getting run all over in the first quarter. We're putting this like new scheme into place. Second quarter on we're good. That, that was what kind of frustrated me. I mean, I went in, I went in a little, little too high thinking that like, I'm like, we could, we could actually do this, which like, of course we could. But at the end of the day, you're going up against Bama. I think you could really see, and you saw this last year in the peach bowl that our team can, play with these SEC like big dogs all the way, except for our offensive line. In the first half of the Peach Bowl last year, things were going amazing. James Hudson gets ejected. Lorenz Metz comes in and let up a few strip sacks or a few sacks, a strip sack completely changed the game. And I think the way that Des had almost no time to throw the ball was the clear this is an area where we need to improve. And we'll talk about maybe what we're doing there to improve later in the pod. But I think that was the main thing. It's just, we didn't have time to pass and it really didn't run that well either. It was just a slow offensive game.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if you read my notes before this, but my God, the exact same things written down the inability to adjust to the fact that they were running all over us. Our two best players on our team are our corners. And we wouldn't let them go one-on-one. I don't understand bringing down a safety, bringing down those safeties, bringing in the linebackers. We were so concerned about, you know, stopping the over the middle pass and everything. We needed to stop the run. We needed to stop the bleeding, let our best players be our best players. We didn't allow them to do that. And because of that, they ran all over us. So totally agree. We were unable to adjust there. That was on the defense, um, you know, but We held Jamison Williams to only 62 yards. He was one of the best receivers in the country this year and Mm -hmm. was already doing better than that versus Georgia before he went down in the national championship game. And then, like you said, our offensive line just couldn't compete. And I think that's where you see sort of the differences between these SEC teams or an elite-level team, at least, you know. because those trenches, those guys are so big and so elite on both defensive lines and offensive lines for those elite championship-level teams that eventually they're just going to wear you out. So like you said, Ritter was under duress all night. We had multiple chances in the red zone that we couldn't convert on, so that was a little frustrating, a drop pass, and Ritter just missed a few guys on that first drive, you know, just little things like that. Uh, We couldn't capitalize on when we had the moments, the pick that we got, we couldn't capitalize in there. So just little things, Uh but Hey, we put a valiant effort in, it was six to 17 through three quarters. You know, th- that is pretty damn impressive for the number four team in the country, power five team Cincinnati to hold the defending champion second best team in the country too. So, I don't look at it as a loss. I think we proved that we belong really. We were one of two teams, now three including this past championship te- game. 3 times Alabama's been held under 30 points in the past 3 seasons and one of those yep. was us. So, I'm just our defense was legit. We proved that. Um, you know, bummer that we lost, but what an experience, what a game.
1: You know, you know what I actually think uh, what I actually think might have been the a few, or, or the person who I think changed the game the most was, I think he goes by Phil, but Fidarian Mathis, Fidarian Mathis, giant D tackle for Bama. He had he deflected two of Dez's passes, and yeah. off the top of my head, I cannot remember which ones they were because for the first game, you know, for the second time in the past two seasons, this is one game I haven't gone back and watched for obvious reasons, and. Uh, also, as the game continued to go on, I think I was forgetting more and more as the Miller lights kept flowing. Yeah, so, <laughs> but he deflected two of Dez's passes right at the line, and both of those balls were going to receivers who were actually open. Which, mm-hmm. it, which was another thing that kind of blew my mind is Bama's corners were then not that like aren't that great. No. Josh Job was out, and so I was surprised that our wide receivers were blanketed a little bit. But maybe they're blanketed because does is trying to get the ball out in a second they they barely have a chance to run their routes but i think he changed the game i'm not saying we would have won by any stretch but i think we might have put a touchdown on the board maybe another another touchdown a field goal yeah so i I would have liked to see him not have been such an impact and the score would have been a little bit better but i i mean let's let's get back there next year
0: Yep. Let's do it again. So, I mean, it's just amazing. Cincinnati made the playoff. It was an amazing, amazing year for them. So can't fault them. You know, that score is a lot closer than it looks. If, you know, just by watching that game, you know, that, and, you know, like you said, defense didn't adjust and our offensive line, you know, couldn't hold up, but awesome game, awesome season. We can touch now on the, you know, the championship game real quick. If you want, you know, Georgia takes down Alabama, and uh, you know they win, letting Bryce Young throw for three sixty nine, pretty pretty nope. crazy. You know our defense held him to one eighty one. Uh, they didn't have Jamison Williams for the, the you know the last three quarters of that game. Uh, so uh, any thoughts on that championship game as you look back? Well, just curious, we we didn't talk about this. Who were you rooting for? So it's tough because I wanted Alabama to lose because I hate them now for crushing my dreams. But at the same time, I wanted them to win because they beat us. And so it would look better if we lost to the eventual national champion. So I didn't mind Georgia winning. I thought that was good for college football to have a different champion, especially when Alabama's kind of on a quote-unquote down year. You'd hope that someone else could slip in for once instead of these guys constantly dominating, even when they're bad, so to say. So I, you know, I was rooting Georgia more than Alabama, I guess.
1: Yeah. I I was kind of right there in the same boat. I, I was, I'm sick of Bama and I'm mad at Bama, but at the same time I was like, Hey, Alabama wins. We might come in second in the polls probably. Yeah. But, but um, I mean, overall that game, I was surprised to see how uncomfortable Bryce young looked, especially because two games prior, I mean, Bama destroyed Georgia, and I really did not think the Bulldogs had a chance at all. Yeah, I, I was like, even after the Michigan game, I was like, okay, Georgia's a really good team. Bama's gonna go back out there and beat them by roughly the same margin they beat them before. I I think, and again, interestingly, Stetson Bennett had a very good game. Yeah, and at, at, we harped on this almost the entire year that like Georgia's defense was incredible, but like their offense wasn't that great. Stetson Bennett would come out with like pedestrian performances, like passing usually pretty accurately, but like passing yeah. somewhere in the hundred yard range, like 150. And like, he never had to do much, but like, I guess he looked guess good. He, he, he proved it in the,
0: in the end of the third and the fourth there. He proved it. I think the difference honestly was Mechie and Williams not being there for yep. Alabama. I mean, if you could see Bryce Young's passes and even the ones that were incomplete, he was putting it right on the money on his young receivers and they just mm-hmm. couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't contest and go up and get the ball. I think Bryce Young actually played a decent game, even though he had two picks. If you really watch it, he was accurate. But they couldn't get separation. The You know, there's a big difference between a five-star f- rookie and a five-star who's been around, won a national title. Mechie and Williams yeah. are both first-round talents, and to lose both of them kind of took the gas out of their offense, and they had them both when they played Georgia the first time. So that was really my exactly. big takeaway is they just couldn't move the ball because their two best players weren't on the field anymore.
1: And, and that means basically his number one target uh- – I mean, he didn't end up with the most yards or targets, but Slade Bolden becomes essentially his yeah. <laughs> most veteran receiver and number one target. Like he was a, I think, a four star, but like Slade Bolden, yeah, like, like so it it just like didn't open the field up for him at all. But yeah, I mean, it, exciting game for most of the game, and then Georgia just stomped on him right in the fourth. So yeah.
0: So congrats to Georgia on the national title. We were one of the four finalists this year. So Cincinnati got to be excited about that. So let's talk about who's declaring for the draft. And, you know, we obviously know we got the seniors that are going, you know, Ritter's obviously going, but Kobe's obviously going, but we do have some guys that have declared and leaving early, we got Jerome Ford, and obviously projected first-round pick Sauce Gardner also going. So you know we are losing some of our top guys. We got to replace them, but those are so far who's declared for the draft. And, and, and you know, what are your initial initial thoughts on those guys heading there?
1: Um, everyone declaring, I was expecting. Um, but I think really the interesting part that takes us from a. I don't even want to say this because I'm such a homer, (laughs) but takes us from a fringe top 25 team (laughs) to a solid 15 to 20 preseason poll team next year, I think is the talent that we brought back. We brought back Josh Wiley's coming back. That is massive, especially when Evan Prater or Ben Bryant, transfer back from Eastern Michigan, was at UC two years ago. Uh, Whoever is the quarterback is going to have a solid group of tight ends between Wiley's coming back, Leonard Taylor's coming back. back. We even have freshman Shimon Mateer, who – I really like the fact that instead of being, if if Wiley and Lenny declared this year, you've Mateer most likely getting thrust into that number one tight end spot. Yeah, I mean, he was very highly recruited and a surprise when he committed to us out of Florida. But like that would have been big. And now Prater, I'm gonna say Prater most likely probably has two solid dudes to throw the ball to, and then just I mean we brought almost everyone back in wide receiving core. Michael yeah. Young's gone. And then defensively, Javon Hicks is back, Wilson Huber's back, Malik Van is gonna be huge to have him huge back as back, yep. Jabari Taylor and then Jabari
0: Taylor. James uh, Tunstall so I- comes back as well on the yeah. offensive line, which is big. So we had a ton of people. Commit back to us with that super senior COVID year and so, you know, some guys knowing they're not gonna probably get drafted. Josh sure. Wiley was my biggest surprise. I also thought Jerome Ford uh going was a big surprise to me. Uh, you know, I just think he could have been even more of a focal point this next year, knowing that Prater is not going to be what Ritter was. So a little surprised he left, but you know, he was, he could have gone either way in my head. Josh Wiley was the big one, you know, in the beginning of the year, he's projected third round tight end uh, probably going in the fifth, sixth round now. So not uh, understanding why he came back to up his stock. He's probably our number one uh, receiving threat going into this next year. Now that Pierce is gone, but big news as well. It, we had some transfers. We talked about the kicker. Super exciting to have uh, a new Ryan kicker go, from Delaware. Go. But the big one is the Hawaii wide receiver transfer, Nick Mardner, six yep. foot six. 190 pounds. He had 46 catches for 913 yards, 46 catches, almost a thousand yards, five touchdowns had offers from LSU, Texas A&M, Virginia tech and others. And he chooses the Bearcats. So we have a, a new number one go-to receiver here. Our big man that we needed to replace Alec Pierce as our go-to red zone guy. Excited for that too.
1: I, I love that. It, I mean, he had to see the potential that, okay, Pierce is gone. I'm, Alec Pierce 2.0 coming right in Yeah, big body, deep threat. Like that, that is a way to, again, with like, after bringing those tight ends back and you plug in a guy, that's another deep threat like Pierce and like whoever the quarterback is, is, has a lot of weapons, a lot of weapons.
0: Yep. Excited, excited for that. We brought back so many dudes. So that's really, really great. Now we can talk a little bit about some of the coaches we lost. You know, uh, Den Brock going to LSU. Let me just start with that. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you, yeah. Brian Kelly, for taking him off our hands. <laughs> Enjoy that, LSU. Enjoy it. Second and 10, draw play, and then third and nine, draw play. Can't wait for you guys to really just love his play calling. Let's do a deep shot first down, two draw plays back to back. Love it. Oh, my gosh. So excited that that man is gone. Uh, you know, We'll talk about in a second who's probably going to get the new offensive coordinator, but that one was the first one that really jumped off the page to be super excited.
1: Yep, I mean, well, so if you want to jump into who the next offensive coordinator is, the one thing that like just worries me a little bit. So this is according to Pete Thamel. He said that Gino Gaduli actually had a lot of the offensive play calling duties this year. But I my personal feeling is, while he may have been calling a lot of the plays, you have Denbrock looking over his shoulder the entire time, probably dictating that. So. Yeah. If you want to roll in with our new yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's projected.
0: It. It's projected that Gino is going to be our new offensive coordinator. So it, it hasn't been officially announced, official,
1: official, but yep.
0: everyone seems to think, and I, you know, I'm sure he was calling plays, but I almost think that's like, he was calling plays in not big games or when we had blowouts. That's when I think he's calling plays. A lot of these guys are some cocky dudes at coach, and they think they're the smartest thing since sliced bread. I cannot see him in the biggest games of the year giving up play-calling duties to Gino. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. If you're the play-caller, that that's your livelihood. Mm-hmm. So unless it's taken away from you from the head coach, like Fickle would take it away, I don't see him releasing those duties unless – He's letting him do them in big moments. We had a lot of games where there were blowouts. We had a lot of games, you know, that we were playing versus bad competition. So we were doing a lot of learning. I think that that's where he probably was play calling a, a majority of the play calls. Denbrock, either way, if he was overlooking his shoulder, if the, and, and, and it were probably his schemes as well. You know, now oh, we have a new. Sure. And this guy's played quarterback. He's played at UC. He's a high flyer. He's, you know, he had the record for most passing yards in UC history. Yep. So he knows he wants to pass and how he wants the offense to look. So I'm excited for him, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I, it's just, and like, nice to have. I mean, okay, like, Denbrook really did take this offense to a new level. And I know a lot of the fans, ourselves included, got extremely frustrated with his stale play calling but regardless of who was calling the plays even last year it was a top 15 offense so like if you yeah. can just build on that like i'm sure he can because year by year our recruiting's gotten better and now with this big 12 move i mean i i, I think it's going to bring a lot of it's a young mind at oc most likely yeah and i think that's really really exciting for the program
0: No, I agree. And I I think the biggest thing, you know, I don't want to downplay that our offense was horrible this year. Like you said, we were one of the better in the country. I think it was situationally. We made a few costly calls and mistakes. And that's what I think. Hopefully Gino can fix those. That situationally it's a close game and you know we're marching down the field and we're at midway down the field. And let's take a a a shot down the field on first down and then run two back-to-back power. I run plays and then our, our plays stall out. So, you know, we gain 40 yards and then we stall out on three back-to-back-to-back play calls that were poor in a poor situation where it's a one score game. The other team has a moment just situationally things like that happened a lot. So I think that's the big one. The other uh, big one, we lost defensive back coach uh, Perry Alina, Leaves for OSU, goes to OSU. Uh, you know, that one, that one's tough. Our DBs have been great. So, you know, uh, good for him for moving on, you know, not surprised because, you know, you have a cornerbacks like we do. You're going to get the big boy jobs. Uh, so he's going and we're replacing him now with Kerry Combs. So we just switched. Nope. We switch DB coaches, basically. Kerry Combs comes back to Cincinnati, where he's from. Uh, he's a good recruiter, so I don't mind Kerry Combs coming in. He's not calling plays, which we probably don't want him to do anyways. So, you know, that's our new cor- uh, cornerback coach uh, in, in, in replace of the one that went to OSU.
1: Yeah, I think um, it, it was a surprise that Perry Eliano left, but also when Ohio State com- comes calling, I mean, you let's be real. Yeah. You, you're gonna you're gonna answer and you're probably gonna take that position. The money is there. He's coaching safeties now. That's gonna be a really great position. But oh my God, Kerry Combs coming in. This dude can recruit. Yeah. And I have a great nugget on that later when we touch on recruiting later. But I don't think he's the right fit for defensive coordinator like he was at Ohio State. Ryan Day pulled those play calling duties from him like we talked about yeah but and i think fickle uh, understands i think he's going to bring oh yeah awesome perfectly i i think he's going to be really 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 big for recruiting yes and and and, and i mean i'm not sure i i think it could be eh, let me go back i i'm very happy that jq hardaway (laughs) signed with us on signing day not that i have any like doubts in his commitment to the program, but getting that four-star top 200 kids signed and then bringing in Carrie Combs to say, okay, yeah, Perry might be gone. Bye, Perry. Here's Yeah, There's your new coach. And then, yeah, so he's going to be also coaching special teams or special teams coordinator at the same time because Brian Mason went to Notre Dame, which yep. I think will be a big loss. I saw Mason Fletcher actually – tweeted the other day might have been yesterday that this year guess how many unless you saw this guess how I many punt yards we gave up punt return yards we gave up this year I don't know I don't, I don't even know how how I would guess we're third in the country 26 wow 26 that's a testament to Brian Mason yeah but also a testament to freshman punter Mason Fletcher and Gunners Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott so I think you bring in another guy who can coach special teams and is experienced in it. And I think we're going to be just fine.
0: Yeah. I'm excited about that one. Like you said, I I agree with you. The biggest thing is he is known for being one of the best recruiters in college football. So I don't care what position we give him, as long as he's not calling plays for our defense, because I want that guy on my roster purely because he can recruit. He will be the new face of that defense recruiting wise. And that's going to be great as we start heading into the big 12 here, because he can go out and get those big fish. That's what he's known for. So excited for that. The, and then the last one we got here, we got central Michigan's offensive line coach, Mike Cummings, joining our team here. Uh, th- this is exciting. He, had a, he has a projected first round pick yep. and he had one of the best offensive lines, PFF rating wise in the country. So it, it's going to be exciting having this guy come in. That's what we really need is a strong offensive line.
1: Yep, exactly like we were talking before i think offensive line was the like the area we really need to improve all year we talked about that oh yeah exactly and we're now we're going to have a much more experienced offensive line and yeah bernard raymond who is his tackle right now is probably going in the first round he was a pff first team all-american came in as a tight end and transitioned to tackle in 2020 so like there's your development yeah and then they they had the number the nation's leading rusher and lou nichols Mm -hmm. ran for just shy of two thousand yards and was the mac offensive player of the year so that's I, i think that's really really exciting and then also coming in maybe the one i'm maybe not the most excited about but very very excited about Walt Stewart's coming back to UC was gone for about nine years. I think he finished his playing career in 2012. The combination of Greg Scruggs, young, hungry coach, Walt Stewart, young, hungry coach, Greg Scruggs cu- coaching the D-line, Stewart's going to come in and coach that, like, outside linebackers, like, sniper yep. position. I think and, – and well, two years ago, he was coaching Quincy Roche at Temple – who was like the nation's leading edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And actually it was just about two weeks ago, Walt Stewart <laughs> took a position at Arkansas state to coach with Butch Jones. As soon as we said, we want you, he backed out of that and came to UC. So I'm, I'm very excited to have him see how you can. Yeah. And I love having a talented, like fan favorite alum coming back to coach like Gino.
0: Yep. Excited, excited. We got a, a lot of good things. I think we made solid Hires all around the board. Fickle did a good job. You know, we, we kept our defensive coordinator, which is great, just for some continuity. I think we're gonna keep the offensive continuity with Gino moving, and then we got a brought in a great re, uh, recruiter in combs. We brought in a great offensive line coach, which we needed huge help with, and like you said, some old fan favorites. So exciting stuff on the yep. coaching trail. We can transition out to some recruiting news and breaking news today. This just happened moments ago. 2023 three star tight end Jackson McGowan from Miamisburg, Ohio, staying home, committing to the yep. Bearcats. So great pickup here for the Bearcats today.
1: Yep. I um, think he's number 22. Yep. Number 22 player in Ohio. That's right after Evan Tangusdahl, who committed to us a few weeks, month ago, somewhere around there. Yeah. Our, our 2023 recruiting class is shaping up. Yeah, and buddy. We're just getting started. So. Uh, so this past weekend we threw a hometown heroes there's like a junior hometown heroes day and had a lot of really big players there so I already mentioned Evan Tengestal who's a UC commit um on top of that we had Malik Hartford number 111 in, in the country second best player in Ohio um we already have the commit for the third best best player, Trevor Carter, but um he wasn't there. Malik Harford was there. We also had Austin Seaver Sea Reveld, who is an inside lineman. Um, he's a very high three-star. Anthony Brown was at this junior day. He's a Minnesota commit. I've talked about him earlier in the season. He's one that I'm really, really looking to flip. So currently his brother plays for Minnesota. He was a 2019. Um, Class of 2019 wide receiver. I don't know. The the way he's been posting on Instagram, I I'm getting good feelings about this. I have no insider knowledge, but he's a four star wide receiver, according to some. And I would really, really like to get him. He's the fifth best player in Ohio. I think that would be absolutely huge because we've recruited well at the wide receiver position the past few years with Jaden Thompson especially like very highly rated recruit but he would be the top wide receiver I think at least in the past couple years to come for sure so for sure I'd love to flip him get him away from rowing the boat up in Minnesota there but yeah overall it it was a very big weekend for the team and we got that commit now I just want to I'd love to get Malik Harford and Anthony Brown. And I think with the momentum that this program has, it's something we can do.
0: Yeah. Exciting stuff on the recruiting trail right now. Like you said, this 2023 class is shaping up. Oh yeah.
1: And then one last thing I will, I'm going to call this five-star corner and hopefully this is, I was going to say this. If you weren't going to (laughs) say it, I think we both saw this. All right, you go ahead. Hopefully this is five-star corner is a bit that we can, keep going in the coming weeks as we talk about our recruiting, but I have two five stars who have some interest. I'm going to start with the one that doesn't excite me as much to begin with because I'm still in football mode. So Isaiah Collier came to UC this past weekend. Um, Basketball, he would point five-star point guard. He came on an unofficial when he was up for the flying to the hoop tournament in Dayton. So we'll keep monitoring that recruitment. I hope Wes Miller can do it. That's about all I have on basketball. But this one, this one's exciting. Yesterday, after the news that Kerry Combs was coming to UC, AJ Harris, class of 2023, tweets, Cincinnati is now in my top five. And I go, okay. I, yeah. I see like some favorites. I click on them, search them on 247. Guess who he's a teammate of? Five star. He is a year younger but teammate of jq hardaway that's right and now there are a bunch of tweets of them going back and forth like we've dreamed of playing together he was big on Kerry combs at ohio state this dude's number 18 in the country the third best cornerback and the third best player in alabama which shows you i did not realize alabama was oh yeah of a football they are now state. i honestly <laughs> didn't know that but and like now they're posting graphics like who are you going to throw the ball to? Or like <laughs> with JQ and AJ Harris on it. So like, I don't know. I, I think just from the fact that we hop into his top five because Kerry Combs is here, one shows the recruiting chops, the that power Kerry Combs of Kerry Combs and yep. the love. I saw Ohio state people tweeting, like go to Cincinnati. We love Kerry. Like he's amazing. You'll love it there. So like, that's cool. And I mean, now we have Kerry Combs bringing him here. We have JQ Hardaway. So fingers crossed we can do this highest rated recruit in program history. If we get it done, I'm sure it's a long, actually he was supposed to commit on January 11th. So I think that got pushed back.
0: Yeah. Probably prob-
1: heard the news. Probably heard Gary the King's news. Moving, so. so yeah, that's, no, that's, this that's
0: is exciting stuff. Five-star recruit up. cornerback. We're going to turn ourselves into cornerback. You real quick here. Watch oh, out. For sure. So exciting stuff, man, as we're heading into the big 12, we're getting all these 2023 recruits that, Hey, these guys are going to start probably in the big 12, these 2023 recruits. So uh, this is going to be awesome as we transition, but let's jump in now. We'll, we'll take a, we'll take a uh, breather from football and we'll, we'll, we'll just touch on our basketball team. So right now we're 13 and five. What a year. I don't think anyone expected this at a West Miller fourth in the American. And in the last month, we're six and two. So pretty exciting stuff right now.
1: Yep. I mean, we're up to number three in the American and kind Palm. um yeah. And that's, oh no, SMU just jumped us. Okay. We're four. I don't know how yeah. they jumped us, but Okay, so we're at 69th in Ken Palm, which yep. is great because I can't remember where we started the season, but it was somewhere in the mid to low one hundred. We were about
0: 131, or mid I 100s. think. I think yeah. we are 131 to start the season. So it's yep. pretty exciting to be up there. There's only 68 teams to make tournament. We're 69th right now. Yep. Um, so, I mean, just to touch on a couple of the games
1: since we've been back, um, the first one that really – actually these past four games, I think we've kind of seen a change in this team. And that's starting with the SMU game. We came out, we're up by 20 points in the first half. We both scored 33 in the second half. So ended up, that was a final 77 to 60. I mean, and then the next game, that Memphis game was so close, so close, but there were just a few chances at the end that we couldn't convert on. But like, While I don't think Memphis is a good team at all, and I don't think Penny Hardaway is a good team at all, you're playing against a lot of five star talent. So that five star talent and Tyler Harris being able to shoot forty foot threes over people is going to get you a win occasionally. And then of course Memphis goes out and drops a few games right after that loss. But yeah, that was huge. ECU was also a very big win, and then solid win Sunday. The win at the roundhouse, I think this could be the turning point in the season. And again, Wichita State somehow is not that great this year. I think that was their third straight loss in the roundhouse, which is normally a very tough place to play. Maybe it was tough when Greg Marshall was the coach or I don't know. But I, I think that could be the turning point. That's probably going to be the toughest. Well, not probably. That's the toughest road environment we are going to face throughout the remainder of the season. Yeah. So I think we're showing more grit. I think David DeJulius has been coming on as a scoring threat. Somehow we've been lighting it up from three, sometimes very inconsistent, but like we've been shooting in the 40% range over the past few games. So I am getting overly confident in this team. And yeah, I think we're, I mean, I think Lenardi has us as a bubble team right now. So
0: yeah, so ESPN did just release their uh, their first four in, first four out, and the next four out, and we are in the next four out. So we are right on the bubble, like you said, Joe. Lenardi released that, uh, you know. his first round of first four in so that is exciting stuff we're top 100 in assists and rebounds you know we got to pick up that rebounding i think that's what's really hurting us the yeah. most right now but we have two scores with DeJulius julius and davenport both now averaging 13 points a game so you know it, two yeah. solid go-to guys right now we play tulsa uh tomorrow on the 20th they're, they're not one of the better teams right now. So, you know, this hopefully should be a, 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 a nice warm-up game because then we played Temple and ECU, and those are both, you know, Temple's fifth in the conference. ECU's 11-6 right now. You know, we've already beaten them, but that's they're a solid, solid team. So the big one was that we had uh, our Houston game postponed, and, uh, you know, th- that's going to be one we're really going to have to look at. We were supposed to play them. Uh, earlier this year and or, or end of December. And they were, they're 12th in the country right now. So we're or, or 12th at the time. And so we really need to get a ranked win. You know, that's what really concerns me most here. Yeah. You know, we had the close Arkansas game. We did beat Illinois, but they're not what they were. So you know, getting a win versus Houston or making a deep American athletic conference tournament run looks like our only way in but hey right now 13 and 5 I don't think either of us expected us to be this good in Wes Miller's uh, you know first year here so this is really really exciting stuff and man we're just building on this with the recruits that we have coming in next year I am just so excited right now
1: yep oh yeah speaking of those recruits Josh Reed was at flying to the hoop um, of that tournament too And he balled out for somewhere around like 24 points, handful of rebounds and assists. So I think he brings a really great scoring threat next year. But then also, I mean, Daniel Skillings, I cannot wait to see that kid play because he only started playing basketball in 10th grade. And like he is a pure scorer. So we'll see how he is defensively. I don't totally know, but like you said, br- the recruits are bringing in and looking at the rest of the schedule, I don't see a game that we can't. Uh, okay. I see one game that we probably can't win Houston. Houston, but it's at home. It's at home, but yeah, all these other teams, I have no worries. And yeah, we're the Memphis game them. would
0: be a bit, a, a solid win for us. You know, we need yep. to get a Memphis win there. And uh, you know, it, Tulane is playing solid, but we don't play them mm-hmm. for the rest of the year. You know, we already lost to them, so wow. the, you know the big SMU at the end of the year will probably be pretty important for seeding. And you know, they're pretty solid right now, thirteen and four, but you know, it, it's it's trending in the right direction. Like I said, yep. six we're six and two in our last eight. That is a great great record. Excited for what Wes Miller's got going here. It's exciting time to be Cincinnati fan.
1: Oh, for sure, and I mean, we and also like. That Wichita State game, we were without Victor Lockin. So, like, we were missing a big piece, too. So, yeah, I'm 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 very bullish on this team and I'm going to say it now. I think we make the tournament. No, no, Woo! no, I, not not. I we think. might
0: be first four in like that. We'll, we'll make play the tournament. In tourney That will be the play and care. I don't yep. even care either. Yep. Hey, calling it now. Calling it now. All right. Yep. All January right. January 19th. January 19th. We got it marked. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. <laughs> all right. Well, that does it for this episode of Cincinnati podcasts. We covered everything you need to know from football, basketball, recruiting, coaching, everyone that's coming and going and all the news, you know where to find it. Cincinnati podcasts, exciting episode. Catch us anywhere. You listen to your podcasts, Cincinnati podcasts on Spotify, Spotify, youtube google play anywhere you listen to your podcasts greg great episode we'll talk to you soon yep and we'll probably start to get more in depth on these basketball
1: games now that football season's over just a oh, little yeah. bit of recruiting and really in depth to each game so
0: look out for that all right check us out online and we'll talk to you guys soon see you later greg all right peace, peace.